0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister and Executive Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister. And the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. I was gone last week, and I, hopefully you all were doing the work and reading the book as we are in the midst of a series titled Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, which is based upon the book of the same title by T. Harv Ecker. And I'm really enjoying teaching this book, and that's why I'm taking so much time teaching it. Originally, I was only going to teach it for a heartbeat, but... I'm enjoying it so much. and so said, you know what, let's just stretch this out and see where we can go with it. Hopefully, you're getting some benefits, some benefit rather from it. or And you are actually putting into application the things that you're getting from this lesson. So I'm going to jump right in on the lessons. Uh, after I give this one caveat, I want to remind you yet again that the author makes really wide generalizations not to insult people who don't have money or, as he says in the book, poor people It's to deal with the mindset of. The majority way of that people think not the way everybody thinks. So I just want to make sure I make that differentiation before we get back into the book again, because somebody might be listening to this for the first time and say, man, this guy is going in. However, I want to just make sure that we're clear. And if you're not clear, you can go back and get the book, which I highly recommend. And as you, when you get the book, you can read what he actually wrote on the subject, which I've covered on several shows. I'm not going to do it today. All right. So we're in the midst of the, the chapter, the wealth files. And we're on wealth file eight. Rich people are willing to promote themselves and their value. Poor people think negatively about selling and promotion. Now, this is a really key point because... You know, one of the things that sometimes happens is folks are told to demonstrate a false humility. What I mean by that is don't acknowledge when you do a good job, let everybody else say if you're decent or not. It's like, oh, he's humble. He's not going to say if he did a good job or not. But the challenge that comes into play is sometimes that's what we really want. And. It's what we really need to do to make ourselves stand out, stand up or be in front of the crowd, and we refuse to do it because of a false humility. so for instance, if you're not willing to step out there and let people know what you can do, then it's a high you know probability that what you are doing will might be will be overlooked. So when you start taking a look at what that means. My suggestion to you would be take a look at how you possibly, you know, demonstrating a level of false humility. Like I want to pretend to be humble, but one, I want it to be acknowledged for the work that I do, for the demonstrations I make, for what I'm producing, et cetera. You know, a lot of people at work, I remember years ago telling a person in a class I was teaching to, at the end of every week, write a detailed email to her supervisor, uh, you know, recapping everything that they accomplished that week, and I said, and do it consistently, no matter what, to the point to where that person is getting used to seeing, okay, this is what I accomplished. Now, why did I tell the person to do it? And it was because one, you gotta learn know how to self promote. Two, she was looking for advancement in the company. Three. <clears throat> When people know that you are helping them get the results they want, they want you around them and they're willing to pay for it. So there's nothing like a person who wants results and then they're looking for people who can help them get the results they desire. And you could be a person who might be viewed as one among many and you might be outstriping everyone around you. But sometimes a person who is a boss level person or whatever, or at the level of the, your career or profession that you might not be aware of, might not be into the level of details knowing how you are actually connecting the dots with everything. And lastly, it makes you stand out because I highly doubt, as I said to her, I highly doubt anybody else at your company is doing it. But she didn't do it. Why? self-promotion. I've told this to many people that I have actually had some people, men, men and women, who've actually done it. But I can remember a person like, when I went back, hey, did you do that? No, I didn't do it. And, and I was like, you got to figure out a way to market yourself. Stand out from the crowd. Be a leader, not a follower. And let your boss know you're doing what you got to do. Now, this book obviously promotes being your own boss. Uh, either part-time or full-time. But that being said, in that context, the marketing issue was a real issue. People need to know, I produce results. I get stuff done. And uh, what that means. And more importantly, it also creates uh, a a trail of, of, of accomplishment subconsciously. Because you can go back and look at your own emails, And see how effective you are, because we all have moments where where we uh, bump into some obstacles, some obstructions. And depending on the situation, sometimes you can lose a little bit of your swagger. It's good to be able to go back and see what you've worked through and what and see what God has brought you through. All right. So to the book found number eight, rich people are willing to promote themselves and their value. Poor people think negatively about selling and promotion. So I'm not going to get into all these details, but I want to get to the points, some of the, my highlighted points. Resenting promotion on page 102, resenting promotion is one of the greatest obstacles to success. People who have issues with selling and promotion are usually broke. It's obvious. How can you create a large income in your business or as a representative of one if you aren't willing to let people know that you your product or your service exists even as an employer if you aren't willing to promote your virtue someone who is willing to quickly bypass someone is willing to quickly bypass you on the corporate ladder now th- it was a movie that came out i believe in the late 80s early 90s it was called the field of dreams it was about a baseball field that was built uh where You know, people who were deceased came back to play, you know, Hall of Fame baseball players came back to play, I believe. If I can remember right. Or young or or people who are older can't go into it and play as young men, something like that. It's been a long time since I saw the movie. But one of the statements that was in the movie, movie became very popular. It was if you build it, they will come. And. I'm saying. No, they won't. If they don't know it exists. He talks about that on the next page and we're going to get to that to a moment. If you build it now, it could be fantastic. but do people know about it? Be mindful that marketing matters. How you market a thing matters. Marketing and advertisement matter. It doesn't make a difference what it is that you're doing. You're marketing something. Even a Jesus, when he was sending out his disciples, if you read in the Gospel of Luke two by two and in the Gospel of Matthew two by two, he would say, you know, he was sending people out and he was marketing his message. What was his message? The kingdom of God is at hand. That was his message. Universally taught by all scholars that Jesus' message was the kingdom of God. Now, he could have went around And just talked about it himself, but he got disciples and he sent them out. That's marketing. All right. Back to the book. He says. People have a problem, page one or two, with the promotion or sales for several reasons. Chances are you might recognize one or more of the following. First, you may have had a bad experience in the past with people promoting to you inappropriately. I agree that that might be one of the main things. He says, maybe you perceive uh, perceive they were doing the hard sell on you and possibly it wasn't a perception, you know, you know, then he says, second, you might have, have had a disempowering experience when you tried to sell something to someone and that person totally rejected you. In this instance, your distaste for promotion is merely a projection of your own fear of failure and rejection. So you had something you wanted to sell, you had something you believed in, you presented it to customers, you presented it to family, you presented it to friends, and it didn't work. They didn't buy it. And then it's possible you personalized it, and now you don't want to be about the promotion and marketing because you had a bad experience trying to sell something etc now here's the thing about that particular subject because i think this is one of the things that we have to be mindful of if you're in the game of selling anything and even you know and even selling um your skills talents and abilities to an employer in an interview or job or you're in the position of selling products or ideas or whatever. People are going to say no. Some people won't see the same words in value. Some people might say, I don't want it. You know, you can be in a situation, for instance, where I know that um, you know, I you know, I've bumped into situations where I've gotten invited to, you know, somebody's multi-level marketing thing and they, and they gave the spill and I was like, No, I really don't want it. Uh, it's not for me. It didn't mean that it was bad. It was wrong. It was whatever. All I was simply saying was, it's not for me. And but people can have a tendency to take that personally, instead of okay. True freedom leaves you a choice. Now you can influence the thing, but I also recognize that people who strong arm, and they should be addressed, and they're people who are who because of of bad experiences personally don't like to sell you got to get past both of them you got to get past it if you want to to be prosperous because you're going to be always be selling something all right he goes on to say third you may you might come f- from past parental programming many of us were told that it's impolite to toot your own horn i talked about that earlier he says but well that's great if you make a living living as manners, but in the real world when it comes to business and money let's be clear when it comes to business and money if you don't toot your own horn i guarantee nobody will rich people are willing to extol their virtues and value to anyone who will listen and hopefully do business with them as well in other words learn how to let people know you do it you know you know, uh, I'm unapologetic about my presentation skills when it comes to new thought. I deliver, and I'll tell anybody that point blank. You put a microphone in front of me, or no microphone, people in front of me with a with a willing ear. Guess what? I'm going for it. I don't care who speaks before me. I don't care who speaks behind me. I'm bringing it. You better bring yours. Now, some people might consider that cocky. I don't consider it cocky, it's confidence in my talent, skills, and abilities because I've developed them, I've worked hard at my craft to be able to deliver at a high level. Now, if a person considers that cocky, that's on them. But I know I can deliver. Now, here's the thing, you can't, If you you know, you, you're going to talk it, you got to deliver it. I'm not going to lie and say you can't. You know, Muhammad Ali talked a lot of trash back in the day, but he walked into the ring and he delivered. It makes a difference. All right. Back to the book. He says, finally, some people feel that promotion is beneath them. He says, I call this the high and mighty syndrome, otherwise known as aren't I so special attitude. The feeling in this case is that if people want what you have, they should somehow find and come to you. People who have this belief are either broke or soon will be. That's for sure. They can hope that everyone's going to scour the land searching for them, but the truth is that the marketplace is crowded with products and services and even though theirs may be the best, no one will ever know that because they're too snooty to tell anybody. I've bumped into this actually in the religious world where people are like, you know, you know, you know, I you know, they start talking you know, so much heavenly stuff that no earthly good about. You know, don't make a difference. What it is that you know? I, I'll I'll just draw my consciousness and and whoever shows up, I'll teach. And if I only if I can only make the difference with one person, then it'll be worth it. Well, why make the difference with one person when you can make a difference with one hundred people? Why make a difference with one hundred people when you can make a difference with one thousand people? Why make a difference with? 1,000 people when it can be 10,000 people and so on and so on and so on. This, oh, if I only change one life, it'll be worth it. What? What? We don't even listen to what we're saying. If God has placed the calling in your soul to be an agent of change and transformation for humanity, and you're talking one person at a time talk, No, now if one person at a time allows you to uh, to to multiply, sort of like an investment, so you know the you know the one becomes two, then the two becomes four, and the four becomes eight, and the eight becomes sixteen. That's if you're doing one at a time like that, that makes sense because eventually you will compound to being able to make a greater and greater impact in life. But don't sell yourself short with, oh, if I, if it's only one person, no. How big is your God? And how big is your consciousness? What could you really accomplish if you got serious about making a large impact? You know, one of the things that Reverend Coleman used to say um, years ago when she was leading Christ Universal Temple was, Think big. The way she would say it, she wouldn't just say "think big." She would she would say, "Think big," and then she would say, "How big is your God?" Like she's like, you don't need no big God to get this little stuff you're trying to get. Think big. You got you, you, like it takes a big God to have big dreams, and it takes a big God to make a big impact. How big is your God? Really allow that to land. So you can be awesome playing a small game. You can be a shark swimming in a pond. You were made for the ocean. Are you willing to swim in the ocean? It makes a difference. All right. Back to the book. So he says rich people are always excellent promoters. Page 103. They can and will and are willing to promote their products, their services and their ideas with passion and enthusiasm. In other words, if you're not sold on it, why should I be sold on it? I tell people this all the time in In ministry, because I'm known to be passionate in my uh, presentation style. But I tell people, if it doesn't make me, if it doesn't fire me up, why should it fire you up? If it doesn't move me, why should it move you? I'm not here to lecture you. I'm not here just to give you my good ideas. I'm here to impact you. To shake you up. shake you up to shift something in your consciousness so you will take action on what you're hearing and more importantly you will start to seek the same presence and power of God in you that I'm talking about but if I'm not passionate about it then why should you be passionate about it you know I'm not gonna get up here and start talking about you know God is the source of your supply and all is well no no Like in the book of Jeremiah, it says, like fire shot up in my bones. Are you passionate and enthusiastic about winning in life? I'm talking the real talk now. You have to be willing to promote yourself. He goes on to say, what's more, they are skilled at packaging their value in a way that's extremely attractive. In other words, not only do they know their value, not only do they proclaim their value, they pro- they proclaim it or present it in a way that's attractive for others. He goes on to say at page 104, rich people are usually leaders and all great leaders are great promoters. To be a leader, you must inherently have followers and supporters, which means you have to be Adept at selling, inspiring, and motivating people. I'm going to give an example, a few. John F. Kennedy, when he said in the early 60s, before the end of this decade, we're going to put a man on the moon. That was a big idea. They didn't know how to do it at the time, but it was a big idea with passion and enthusiasm. This country is going to put a man on the moon. Martin Luther King, 1963 in Washington said I have a dream not I have a plan. Why? Because the dream was selling everything that went along with it. I have a dream. He inspired African Americans and people who are supporting the civil rights movement from other national nationalities, ethnic backgrounds or races. And I would say inspired the world to look at life differently. That's why that speech to this day has so much impact. He was selling a higher vision of humanity. He had to proclaim it. He was willing to sell it to the world at the capital of the United States. As a person, just because of his skin color, did not receive equal protection and rights under the law that was due to him as a citizen of the United States. But he was promoting A higher vision. He was marketing himself. Now, I believe everybody has a dream in their souls. I believe it strongly. What are you so passionate about that people got to know and people have to be involved and people have to help you achieve it and you're inspiring and enrolling people to be a part of something bigger? If you want to be wealthy, prosperous, rich, as this book talks about, you got to get that fired up about whatever it is that's in your soul that you need to be producing. It's a mindset. That's why Johnny Coleman used to always say, prosperity is a rich state of mind. Prosperity is a rich state of mind. Prosperity is a rich state of mind. She would drill it over and over and over again. Because she was trying to make sure that people got it. Prosperity is a rich state of mind only can you accept that you have to promote what you do go out and tell the world once you get it in order Go out and tell your people who are before you. If you have a business to start up, get your stuff together. Get your website up. Get your social media running. Get your e-blast going. Whatever it is that you're doing. If you have ideas, start a podcast. Do videos on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Whatever it is. But get out there. Promote yourself. Believe in the greatness that God has placed in you. Now, let me give this commercial before uh, we go to our first break, because we have about a a minute and a half or two minutes. Uh, Please be reminded that you can call into this show at 816-251-3555, 816 Yeah, wait a minute, 816, I just messed it up, 251-3555, it's not in front of me, y'all, I apologize. Um, Also, this show along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio are supported by your donations, so as you freely receive, freely give, my request is that you go to unityonlineradio.org or the shortcut unity.fm, click on the donate button, and help support this online ministry. That if you're listening to this show and you've been a listener and you're listening to the other shows, I know that your soul is being fed. And the the law is is that you feed back or support that which feeds your soul. So give and you receive. We're giving. The balance of that is receiving. You're receiving. The balance of that is giving. Anyway, moving on. So, that's my request. Please be reminded that this show has a Facebook page and all of that other good stuff. So, you know, let's do what we got to do. Are we a minute early, Jeff? So... We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Alright, welcome back to Truth Transforms. Let me finish my quick commercial. Yet again, this show has a Facebook page, True Transforms, with Reverend Galen McDowell. My request is that you like it um, and write a positive review for it and a, give it a five-star rating. This show is also on Apple Podcast and Stitcher. Those are both apps. If you listen to it on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, my request is, yet again, you give it a five-star rating, write a positive review. And those things help with the algorithms. So let people and let people know about the show. If you like something, whatever, go onto the website, share it on your social media, et cetera, et cetera, because, you know, we're doing work here. If it's helping you, most likely it can help somebody that, you know, somebody who might need this message and they need you to carry it because they're unaware of it. So my request is to help me market the show because it will help people. All right. Wealth file number nine, page 106. Rich people are bigger than their problems. Poor people are smaller than their problems. Again, we're talking about a mindset now. And we're talking specifically about money in this series. All right. He says, as I said earlier, getting rich is not a stroll in the park. It is a journey that is full of twists, turns, detours, and obstacles. The road to wealth is fraught with traps and pitfalls. And that's precisely why most people don't take it. They don't want the hassles, the headaches, and the responsibilities. In short, they don't want the problems. So many times people want wealth, but they don't want what goes along with that wealth, which is the responsibility of maintaining it or the responsibility of leading and managing other people, uh, the responsibility of owning their own business, the, the the, the responsibility of supervision of anything and anyone other than themselves. So wanting wealth and not wanting responsibility normally don't go hand-in-hand. Hand. So with anything in any situation or circumstance, you want to figure out a way to make more money, figure out a way to gain more responsibility, whether that's in a company or starting your own thing. You know, I, you know, I can remember being a teenager working in the grocery store, and I was trying to figure out, because it was a union store, how to get more hours. So, you know, I, you know, young cashier and the way the union system worked is it was a finite amount of time between Thursday at four o'clock and Friday, excuse me, Thursday, four o'clock Friday and Friday, 4 p.m. and Thurs Friday, 4 p.m. Where a person could do what they call a bump. So in other words, if they were unsatisfied with the amount of hours they could take, they could take partially yours as long as they left you four hours or they can take your whole shift. And then you would have to do that to people that are under you. Now, picture the situation where between, you know, everybody showing up like right before four o'clock on Friday, you know, or hopefully they're off work or off work that day or on break or on lunch or something so they can adjust because you could come off of go on break, get up there four fifteen, four thirty. 15, 430 and have a lot of your hours taken away because the union allowed you to say if you're not getting the hours that your average you can take those underneath you and it was in the contract so i had to figure out a way for that process not to happen or leave so i just decided to take more responsibility i was like it's a person here who helps the managers run the front end make sure the cashiers and the baggers going to break and the overstock gets put up, put up and the, cat, the carts get pushed and they stay late and make sure that the store gets faced. I mean, in other words, you pull the items up and make it look good like a wall and all that. Somebody had to do it. I was like, I'll do it. But that meant I had to be at work super late. So what? That mean, I had to now manage the people that I worked uh, with for, for years. So what? It got me what I wanted. So you got to be clear. So when when you want responsibility and the other thing was the with 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 that union job, the amount of if you didn't average a certain amount of hours for a certain period, you couldn't get your next acceleration of bump and pay. So you had to consistently make a certain amount of hours for certain periods and you would consistently get bumps and pay. So I was like, oh, OK, now I can just accelerate this process, which I did. Now, why is that important? It's important because the only way that could have happened was I d- decided that I would take on the responsibility of not just working and being there for myself, but actually taking on the responsibility of of managing others and getting the job done well. Let me add that part as well. All right. Back to the book. All right. He says, bottom of page 106, the secret to success, my friends, is to not try to avoid or get rid or shrink from your problems. The secret is to grow yourself so that you are bigger than any problem. All right. So then he goes to an example of, you know if, you, if, you know, if you're a 10 looking at a level five problem, it's not a problem. But if you are, if you are four looking at a level five problem, it's a serious problem. So he goes on to say, page 107, note that whether you are rich or poor, playing big or playing small, problems do not go away. If you are breathing, you will always have so-called problems and obstacles in your life. Let me make this short and sweet. The size of the problem is never the issue. What matters is the size of you. Really allow that to land. So, you know, as I've said before on this show, understanding determines if something is a problem or not. And again, I use the analogy. If my truck stops on the side of the highway and I'm under the hood trying to get my car to start on, and it won't start, I call my insurance provider. They send somebody out. They can look at the car, a mechanic or a friend, look under the car for 30 seconds. Oh, try to crank it up now. It cranks right up. I've been out there an hour trying to get the car started. They can get it started immediately. What's the difference? Understanding. When you have know how, it's not a problem that can that's 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 unsolvable. The issue is still there, but you view it differently. So as you grow and expand in consciousness and skill and talents and abilities, but more importantly, in your ins- assurance that that you are one with the source of all good. Now, what does that mean? That means that I don't have to know how to fix cars for my car to get fixed. I don't know how to I don't know how to I don't have to know how to do banking for my money to be right. I just need to draw the people into my experience that can handle the things that they know how to do. See, sometimes we think we have to have the skill. But no, a good leader manages, supervises, supervises and oversees the production of getting it done. The main thing is that you're causing it to happen then it's not a problem. Now, it's a problem if you sit down and try to do it because you might not have the skill. You know, if something's going on with the church website, I'm not going to try to get in there and change code. I don't know how to do those type of things. I call the person who knows how to do it. I hope you're getting what I'm saying. Sometimes we're dealing with problems because we're trying to tackle stuff that's outside of our awareness instead of going to get the help we need. Because if you're thinking from the standpoint of I'm bigger than this issue, the issue is not bigger than me, then you start to become creative. What could I do to to solve this? What can I do to make this a non-issue? And then your creativity will kick in, this inspiration, this intuition and intelligence that's within you will kick in and help you navigate what you need to navigate. You say, oh, yeah, I know somebody who can da-da-da-da-da. Oh, yeah, you think about calling somebody, reaching out to somebody or, or, or on Facebook you haven't even thought about it in a while. Hey, blah, 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 ran, ran into something. I, I might need your help. Are you willing to give me a hand on this? And a lot of times they're willing to do it. Sometimes, and many times, at no cost. Or anything that would impact you differently. I mean, uh, negatively. So, my point is this. You got to think bigger than the issue. Think bigger than the issue. How big is your God? Just turn to page 108. He says, if you want to make a permanent change, stop focusing on the size of your problem and start focusing on the size of you. I love the way Michael Beckwith says, he says, stop telling God about your big problem and start telling your problem about your big God. It's a big difference. He goes on to say. Uh, In the book, page 108, the bigger the problem you can handle, the bigger the business you can handle, the bigger the responsibility you can handle, the more employees you can handle, the more customers you can handle, the more money you can handle, and ultimately, the more wealth you can handle. It all works together. But it takes discipline, it takes focus, and it takes perseverance. You got to stick to it. Again, he says, again, your wealth can only grow to the extent that you do. All right. Then he says, bottom of page 108, by the way, keeping your wealth is a whole other world. In other words, it's one thing to make it. It's another thing to keep it. He says on page 109, think of yourself as a container for wealth. If your container is small and your money is big, what's going to happen? You will lose it. Some people who have high-level talent, you see this in entertainment a lot, and with athletes, they have high-level talent. They can make the money, but they don't have the consciousness to keep it. So they'll figure out a way to burn through their money, no matter what. They're, you know, they're living high on the hog, and next thing you know, you're hearing about the IRS taking their cars away, You know, stopping, you know, stopping them and taking Lamborghinis away. Taking paintings and other things out of their homes, because they can make it where they didn't maintain it again, discipline, focus, perseverance, you know, as the apostle Paul said, the race is not run to the swift it's not won by the swift, but he who endures to the end don't run the race of building and creating wealth, not to be able to maintain it because you're you, you can't make. You haven't developed a container to hold it. So as soon as you get it, you got to spend it. As soon as you get it, you got to be wasteful. Or as soon as you get it, you're not taking the responsibility to maintain it. I never forget w- uh, watching an interview with uh, that was an interview, a documentary about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and how he played longer than he might have played. Because at one point in his career, after he got traded to the Lakers, his agent basically got almost all of his money. He was, he was, he was hoodwinked. His money was being mismanaged. But up happening is, okay, I'm Scott Hook, Scott Hook, MVPs and championships, but I'm not watching my money. So he was making it. What are you keeping it I never forget it was um, I I don't watch the show uh, because I I don't know how I end up not watching it but I remember watching the first episode of the show Ballers on HBO starring The Rock just happened to be a fan of The Rock I think he's cool anyway The Rock's character whatever his character is name is is a former football player who's a sports agent now and I remember him walking into a house to meet a football player who was asking for a loan so the Rock gave him the loan, but it, when he walked into the park, it, that, this big old mansion, there's tons of people. I mean, dozens of people in the house. They're in the swimming pool. They're using all of his stuff. And the Rock said, who are all these people? And the football player said, I have no idea. Living the lifestyle, making the money, literally putting his body and his brain on the line uh, for a short amount of time and have to deal with the residual effects of that type of sport for the rest of his life, And allowing people to wastefully spend his money and utilize his home. And he didn't know who they were. So let me say this as well. If Reverend Ike would say, don't allow anybody to turn you into a gravy train. In other words, that was an old term, in other words, of saying where you make the money and they use it all. They spend it all. Be mindful. Do what you want to do with your money. But you don't have to be somebody's meal ticket. That's a more up-to-date term. Because sometimes we're allowing people because we're not a good container and we don't realize it to show up. They have to show up and to show us ourselves. So we think it's them. All the The the, the son that doesn't want to do right or daughter that doesn't want to do right or the the, the sibling or the parent or the friend or the whatever that's always leeching, you know, staying with you, no ambition, no work, no whatever, doesn't want to do right, don't want to get themselves together, don't want to put their lives in order. And you always end up being the default person that's coming out of your wallet, that's subsidizing their lifestyle have them living in your place eating your food you know you know uh and I could I never forget I I can remember somebody asking me years ago if um they could uh stay with me for a short time just to get their lives together and and I can remember just thinking about them that person and maybe people that they're connected with or dating or whatever in my house, chilling while I'm working. I was like, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> so, and I'm not saying I was right or wrong, but I was really clear that if you wreck your life, it's not my job to be the firefighter coming in running with the hose spraying water on everything. Be mindful about your being a container. Because if you don't get this right, people will show up to take advantage of you by right of consciousness. Now, I know this is not where he's going, but I in, in this chapter, and you can read this chapter for yourself, but I wanted to drill home this point because there are times when we just don't get that the people and experiences that show up are validating core inner beliefs. Or as Reverend Ike would say, I meet no one but me. So you have to show up to validate my inability to maintain my wealth or love myself or have peace, et cetera, et cetera. And the opposite, you show up to validate, you show up to support, you show up to inspire. It's all consciousness. Life is consciousness. Life is consciousness. Life is consciousness. One more wealth file We got 10 minutes to go. Well-file number 10. Rich people are excellent receivers. Poor people are poor receivers. He says, if I had to nail down the number one reason most people do not reach their f- full financial potential, it would be this. Most people are poor receivers. They may or may not be good at giving, but they're definitely bad at receiving. I say this all the time people love to give they don't like to receive somebody wants to take you out to lunch oh let me take you say hey invite you to lunch say hey let me take care of the bill oh i can't let you do that you want god to give you millions and you can't accept lunch how does that work and i'm not talking about people trying to manipulate you or bribe you or anything that 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 you know Will will trigger your intuition to say, "Hey, something's not right about this." I'm not talking about those situations. I'm talking about sincere situations where receiving is an option, and you receive re- refuse to receive because you're a poor receiver. But again, if you're a poor receiver to when it comes to dealing with human beings, Lord knows you might be a poor receiver when it comes to the universal presence and power that we call God. So, universal law. Is trying to bring experiences into to your life, ideas, people, places, the things, and you're like, no, 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 and then you and then you're wondering why you didn't get your blessings. You keep saying no, like the man who 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 when it, it was a flood before the flood came, you know, police came, hey, it's time to leave. He wouldn't leave his house, and then uh, the water came up to a certain point. Somebody came with a boat. A raft. Hey, let's go. He's like, no, I'm just waiting. Waiting for God. Whatever. Waiting for God. Next thing, the water's up. He's on the roof. Helicopter goes by with the ladder. Hey, I'm waiting on God to deliver me. Then he makes the transition and then he, and he says, God, how come you didn't save me? And he said, I sent a person, I sent a boat, and I sent a helicopter. What do you want? You have to be a good receiver. Not just a good giver and a lot of that just comes from low self-esteem or as he talks about low self-esteem all right so we have to get past the mental conditioning and get past the worthy it's not about he talks about this in his chapter it's not about whether you're worthy or not worthy Get past all that. You want to make money and generate wealth? Then that's what your goal is. But we get caught up in, I'm worthy. Should I have this? Is this too good to be true? All that's mental conditioning and it's meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. All right. You decide. He says it this way. There's no one who comes around and stamps you worthy or unworthy. You do that. You make it up. You decide. You and you alone determine if you're going to be worthy. It's simply your perspective. If you say you're worthy, you are. If you say you're not worthy, you're not. Either, you will li- either way, you will live into your story. I'm going to repeat that. Either way, you will live into your story. So just let it go. He talks about on page 116, when you don't allow yourself to receive, you're actually blocking the blessing of somebody who is seeking to give. He calls it ripping off. And then he goes on to say again, to make matters worse, when you're not willing to fully receive, you are training the universe not to give to you. So you just got to be mindful. And here's the thing. You know, one of the things that Johnny Coleman used to always say, yet again, I guess she's just on my mind today. She would say, I've been listening to a lot on the uh, on the Christ Universal digital app. I've been listening to the Coleman archives a lot while I've been working and doing other things. So she's, she's in my consciousness right now strong. But one of the things that she would say is, God answers prayers with ideas. But she would also... Let us know that if you were not open and receptive to the idea from spirit, that idea would seek expression through another vehicle, meaning another person. I know that there are ideas you've had that you didn't act on. You saw somebody else act on them and they prospered. So part of being a good receiver is also receiving the idea. And then being obedient to do something with it. What ideas have you put down, not acted on, that you know if you would have acted on those ideas with integrity, it would have meant massive success and wealth? Just think about it. And then get to the place where you said, God, I'm a great receiver. I'm open and receptive to your good. Flow through me, in me, through me, as me. And have that as your mantra something like, not just those words, but that's just natural. It just came out of my own consciousness. God, I'm open and receptive. Pour your good through me. In me, through me, as me. I'm open and receptive. Not my will, your will be done, God. I'm your vehicle, I'm your channel, I'm your vessel. Allow me to be a blessing because if I'm a blessing for others, I'm blessed first. In other words, when you are a receiver, you are in the flow. Not just giving, you also have to be a receiver. And when you're a receiver, you're in the flow. I really want that to land. You're in the flow. Believe that whatever you have to do, do it. And know that you'll be in the flow while you're doing it. Also, know that you will be abundantly rewarded. He says it this way. Page 117. Rich people work hard and believe it's perfectly appropriate to be well rewarded for their efforts and, val- and the value they provide others for others. So you might give great value and decide that, okay, I'm just giving it away. No. For what? So I'm going to stop here because we got about a minute left. So. You know, we're going to continue over the next several weeks with these wealth files. Um, I want to make sure that you get it. I want to make sure it lands. You know, I'm sure by the end of September, I will have this book completed. um, And I'll let you know well ahead of time which book I'm going to choose for the next series. Or if I'm going to do interviews or whatever, I'm I'm still preying on that process. But the important thing is that you actually get the book, you actually read, you actually do your prayer work, and that you actually apply what you read in the book. As Eric Butterworth says, some, some truth students are overread and underdone. In other words, we've read a lot of stuff, but we're not doing what we've read. We're not taking action. And action does it. Jesus said, by their fruits, you will know them. All right, by the fruit. So enjoy your day. God bless you, and I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.